scripture reading today is coming from the epistle of First Peter, chapter 1, and we'll read verses 13 down to 21. First Peter, chapter 1, verse 13 to 21. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled, set your hope fully on the grace to be given when uh, to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, Live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, he was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Let us pray. Dear Father, thank you so much for today, and we praise you, Lord, for <clears throat> your word that you have given to us and your word that is now before us. And Lord, it's my prayer that you will speak to us through your word, O oh Lord, help us to hear what you have for us today. And I pray also committing myself to you, Lord, uh, that you may use me now as a channel of blessing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> so this <clears throat> epistle of 1 Peter is written, of course, by Peter himself. And... Uh, the, the overriding theme in this book, in this epistle, is glorifying God in the face of adversity. Glorifying God in the face of adversity. And um, Peter is writing this epistle to encourage Christians of his time because they were facing adversity. They were facing persecution. This is the time when persecution of Christians had actually become official and accepted so that it was okay for anybody to persecute a Christian. And this is because of the fire that consumed the city of Rome and Nero, the emperor, decided to blame it on the Christians. And uh, if you remember the history, we actually learn later than guess who actually began that fire it was Nero himself. But then he had decided to blame Christians on it. And so Christians are suffering, and Peter is penning this letter to encourage them in this very difficult time. And um, uh, coming to us even today, Peter is writing this letter at a time of uh, pre-Christian time, when nobody cared anything about Christianity. Very little, if any. And now, I believe this epistle, the message that Peter is writing, applies to us today, 
Because we are also living in a post-Christian Western world. A time when there is very little care about what Christianity is all about. And you and I go through a lot of difficulties, adversities in life. And I don't know what your, your lot is, what are your trials and temptations that you are going through even right now. I don't know what they are. Maybe something going on at home. Maybe some difficult relationships, uh, strained relationships with, um, you know, in marriages, in, with uh, children, neighborhoods, uh, places of work. Whatever it is that you may be going through, I believe this message is for you today. And so Peter is writing to encourage them. And the question that uh, Peter wants to answer, actually there are two questions. The, 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 uh, the entire epistle, Peter tries to answer two questions. And the first question that Peter is trying to answer is the question, what, should, what really motivates us as Christians to be able to continue to, to glorify God in the midst of adversity? What is it that will motivate us? And the answer to that he gives in verses 1 to 12 of chapter 1. And that is basically that we want to focus our attention, we want to focus our minds not so much on what's going on, and that is not to say that we are, we are denying the facts of what's happening, but we want to focus not so much on what's happening, but we focus our minds on who we are in Jesus Christ. And that's what Peter is saying, and especially in those first verses. Uh, the fact that God has chosen us. We are the elect children of God. You know, God chose you to be his child. God has actually given you to become a member of his family. That is a wonderful thing. And if God has done that, it shows that God really cares about you. Even though <clears throat> when we look around and the things that are going around us, we may feel like, does God really care about me? Did he really care about those uh, Christians that Peter is writing here about? He did. God cared about them. God cares about you. And so chapters 1 to <clears throat> verse 1 to, to 12 uh, talks about that. He, Peter is trying to answer That question. We need to focus on who we are in Jesus. But the second question that he he asks is, how then ought we to live our lives? How then ought we to live? And you see that in many epistles, Paul does the same thing. Uh, Romans chapter 1 all the way to chapter uh, 11, he's talking about who we are in Christ. And then chapters 12 down, he begins to talk about how ought we to live. And you see that in the epistles a lot. The first chapter, uh, the first few verses would be talking about who we are. And we call that technically our indicatives, who we are in Jesus Christ. And then the imperatives. If this is who we are, then this is how we ought to live. Okay, and we need to get that. We don't, we don't want to confuse this. We do not live this way so that we may become this. That is false doctrine. We are not living in this particular way so that we may gain God's favor. 
so that he can save us eventually. No, that's not the message of the, of the gospel. The message of the gospel is that God has already saved you. You are his child. And this is how his children live like. And so from verses 13 of First Peter, and that's where you have the word there beginning is, Therefore. And we always ask ourselves the question, what is the therefore, therefore? And the therefore is there for explaining. So because of what has happened before, then this is how you ought to live. So how ought we to live in order that we may glorify this God who has saved us, who has shown us this amazing grace in Jesus Christ, How can we still continue to be able to glorify him in the midst of our suffering and and affliction? And the message for you today is this. Peter is telling us, and it's really not Peter, it's God through Peter, is telling us, be heavenly minded. Be heavenly minded. Okay? And Peter here is, again, he is not um, overlooking what's going on here on earth. And we'll be talking later a little more about that. He's not overlooking it. But he's saying, we don't want to keep our focus on these things, these issues, these adversities. We want to focus our minds on our last, our goal, where we are headed. It's almost like uh, Christianity is almost like uh, driving to some place. Uh, some, some two, a few years ago, I think it was 2015, my family and I drove all the way to Ontario in Canada to visit a friend of mine there. And, um, what kept us on, uh, on, on target is that we were following a particular map. And all the turns that we made, even, even though sometimes we lost our way, we still had to come back. Why? Because we were set. To a particular goal that we were headed to. We had a destination. And you know, it's the same thing with us Christians. We have a destination. And every turn we make on this earth, everything we do, it must be leading to that final destination where we are headed. Be heavenly minded. And I'm going to mention four things very quickly about this. Uh, normally we are, we are said to preach three point sermon. Today it's going to be four. Uh, and it's just the way this, the text renders itself. So first of all, what is the one thing that we need to do in order to be heavenly minded? First, don't lose hope on your future life. And you see that in verse 13, if you, uh, you have your Bibles, uh, verse 13, uh, it begins there, verse 13. Therefore, there is the therefore that I mentioned earlier. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. This is something that requires our mind to be set, to be ready. It's like roll up your sleeves and be ready for this. You know, this is something that requires us to really engage our minds. Uh, and, and, you know, Christianity is just not a, a, a feeling thing. It's not all about emotion. You know, God is calling our thinking, our reasoning, our minds to be engaged as we set our minds to heavenly life. 
As we set our minds to that future that is uh, before us. He says here that prepare your minds for action. And then he says set your hope. And when the Bible talks about hope, it's talking about something that we are confident about. It is not a, a wish. As when we say, I hope this happens. No, this is a certainty on the basis of the promises of God. Because God has promised it and you can believe it that it will actually happen. Why? Because God never lies. His word is always truth and it will come true. And so he says here that we, we don't want to lose our hope for our future life. It requires that preparedness of our minds. And uh, this is talking, the, the future grace is talking about the, what we sometimes call the not yet aspects of our salvation. Things that are yet in the future. Our resurrection and our enjoyment of the heavenly life that uh, is awaiting us. Uh, you know, in the, the in First Thessalonians chapter four, where he talks about Jesus coming down uh, with the with the archangel and the voice of the trumpet, and then he says with a loud voice. I was reading one commentator who talks about that loud voice, and he he's making a comment about what is that lo- sorry, sorry that loud command? What will that loud command be talking about? And he says it will just be two words of that loud command. And the two words are no more. No more death. No more sorrow. No more pain. No more Satan. No more sin. All that is gone. And it is going to be a life of blessedness. That kind of life that we look for here on earth. That we long for. That we, uh, even in our constitution, call the pursuit of happiness. I'm happy they put it pursuit. Because it is not something that we will ever gain here on earth. It is something that we'll keep pursuing, pursuing, pursuing. And we'll find it in heaven. It is never going to be found uh, here on earth. So first of all, don't lose hope on your future. And secondly, it's a negative Avoid worldliness. Avoid worldly living. Verse 14. It says in verse 14 uh, that as obedient children do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. In other words, when you were not saved. When you were children of darkness. That kind of lifestyle, that's not who you are now. As we talked about here, the indicatives, we are children of God, and we ought to live like children of God. And so he's telling us we want to give up that old way of life and embrace our new way of life as children of God. And so avoid, avoid worldliness, verse 14. And then in verses 15 to 16, the third thing is pursue holiness. And they go together. When we avoid worldliness, then we are committing ourselves to pursuit, to the pursuit of holiness. Pursue holiness. And you see that in verses uh, 15 and 16. It says, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written... Be holy because I am holy. 
God is calling us to pursue holiness, to, pers- to become holy. Uh, and uh, uh, let me talk about what he is not telling us to do. Now, God is not telling us to be as holy as he is holy. Okay? And uh, some people wrong, wrongly read the scriptures. It says, be holy, not as I am holy. It says, be holy because I am holy. Be holy because I am holy. You see, God is amazing. Um, uh, when you read the, the, the Gospels, uh, sorry, the, uh, the Epistles, uh, the way God addresses us, or the people that is, are being addressed there, he calls them saints, holy ones. That's how God looks, sees you. Um, if there is one example of a church that was unholy in her language, was the, the church of Corinth. But guess what God calls them? The saints. The saints of God. Even though there was a lot of mess that was going on in that church. But God still calls them the holy ones. That's how he sees them. You see, Jesus Christ, what God has done is what sometimes we, uh, theologians call the great exchange. When Jesus came, God took Jesus' righteousness and placed it upon you, and he took your sin and placed it upon Jesus, so that when God is looking at us, it's almost like he's looking at us through the glass of the righteousness of Jesus Christ, so that that's what he sees when he looks at us. Because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ, he sees us as holy as saints of God. And so he is telling us, that's what we ought to pursue. I, I, I read a, a book that had um, this kind of a topic. It said, it said, you are the child of the king, live like one. Is it possible for one to be a child of a king and not live like one? Yes, there was one kid who was adopted by the king, and uh, he was actually adopted from, from the streets. And so he had those ragged kind of clothes that he used to wear, and somehow he managed to, to bring them with him to the, to, to the king's place, to the king's house, or palace, white house, whatever. And once in a while, he would sneak himself out and go and actually wear those street clothes. And just, you know, he just wanted to, to wear those street clothes once in a while. You know? And do we do that sometimes? Yes, we do. And God is telling us, you don't want to live like that. I want you to pursue holiness. Because that's who you are. You are a holy child of God. Live like one. Live like a holy child of God. And then, um, finally, embrace foreignness. Embrace the fact that you are a foreigner here on earth. Embrace that. Verse, Verse 17. Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. Live your lives as strangers here on earth. 
You know, when we embrace that in our minds, no, we are strangers here. We are here only for a while. We are not here to stay. When we embrace that, it changes a whole lot of our perspective. It changes our attitude. It changes how we live. Um, to 2015, my wife, my family and I became naturalized citizens of this country. So we have what is called a dual citizenship. And um, I remember going through that process was not easy. You know, you, you are given a booklet with a, a, a hundred questions and you have to read through all these questions and, and the story behind the questions to understand so that when you go for the interviewer, you are going to have to pass. They will keep asking you questions until you pass seven out of ten. And they can choose anywhere from the hundred, one hundred questions. And um, then the time came for us to go for the, um, the oath of allegiance. And uh, this is just, I'm, I'm just, I cannot read for the whole thing, but this is in part what it says. It says, I hereby declare on earth that I absolutely and entirely renounce and abjure all allegiance and fidelity to any foreign prince, potentate, state, or sovereignty of whom or which I have therefore been a subject or citizen that I will support and defend the Constitution and the laws of the United States of America against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, that I will bear arms on behalf of the United States when required by the law. And it goes on and on and on. And as you can hear, this is actually a life commitment. You're committing your entire life to this nation. Okay? That is massive, isn't it? But I wanted to tell you something else. That our commitment, our loyalty to King Jesus is much higher and more serious than even this one. Jesus Christ is a much higher uh, king than any kings that we have in this world. Now, the results of this uh, embracing, when you embrace the idea of being a foreigner here on earth, there are three, uh, two kinds of results that come up. And first of all, is that suffering is, to be, is going to be not a big surprise. When we find ourselves suffering, when we find ourselves in adversity, then it is not going to be a huge surprise. It will no longer be a surprise to us. Um, and it's because you are embracing the fact that you are, yes, you are here, but you actually belong to another place. Um, so when I came to this country, and I go around and people ask me questions like, um, so what do you find different in America? <laughs> you know what the most honest answer to that question is? Everything. Everything. <laughs> Everything is different. From very little details of switches. The switch that this, the switch you turn on to turn this light on, you, you, you go upward. In Kenya, I used to go downward. Okay? All those little details to driving on the wrong side of the road. 
<laughs> and now when I go to Kenya, I've been in this country for 20 years now. When I go back to Kenya, I think they are driving on the wrong side of the road. Um, and, and many other little things that, that are just, they make you a little bit uncomfortable. I remember one time going to a McDonald's when I had just first come here. And then um, I'm standing on the line and, and then the, 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 the person there is, is, is saying, uh, for here to go. For here to go. And I cannot hear what, I don't understand what they are saying. For here to go. For here to go. And then finally, next person. <laughs> so now I know they were saying for here or to go. But I could not understand it at that time. And, and uh, as we live in this world, we are going to go through some of these kinds of difficulties. Now, you and I, not just now in America, but in this different country, this different world, because we have dual citizenship. Yes, we have the citizenship of this country, but we have another citizenship of a better place that awaits us. So when we go through this, we know that suffering is not supposed to be a surprise. Um, I remember also, um, uh, look, let me give you the second thing. And the second thing is that suffering is a temporal thing. Suffering is temporal. It's only for a while. We are going to only have our suffering uh, for a while. Let me conclude. <clears throat> God is calling us to have a heavenly mindset. A mindset that is set to our final destination. And that is going to help us as we deal with adversity or suffering that uh, we may uh, be going through. And this is not to be living a life of that is out of touch with reality. You know, this one is only focused on the future. He doesn't care about uh, what happens here on earth. Listen to what C.S. Lewis actually said. C.S. Lewis said, Christians who have impacted the world the most significantly throughout history are those Christians whose lives have been driven by a heavenly mindset. And so this is not to live a life that does not recognize the reality of the life in which we live. Secondly, we maintain a heavenly mindset because that is our eternal home. It is our eternal home. Um, I remember when I, I, I used to come, uh, you know, I've been in three different stata, uh, status in this country. So I first came as a student with a student visa. And when I came with a student visa, and, and now I'm dealing with the immigration officers, they will look at uh, your papers and they ask you a thousand questions and, and then they will uh, stamp everything and then finally they will say, okay, you can walk, you can, you can pass. And then I changed my status to that of green card. And then now with the green card, they now allow me to actually come in through, uh, where the American citizens are coming in. And there's still a lot of questions that I get to be asked. And they ask a few, several questions, and now this time they say, welcome back. Okay? So the language changed there, not just you may pass, now it's welcome back. And then 2015, I become a citizen, I travel out, 
And then I come back, I'm going through the same uh, immigration officers, and then they, sim- they tell me, welcome home. And that made me feel great. Welcome home. Um, one missionary who was uh, working, I think, in Kenya, he would be asked the question, uh, do you long to, to, be, to, to return to go back to America? He says, the, 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 the hope of returning back to America is the thing that keeps me going. And you know, if someone were to ask us that question, do you long to return to your home in heaven? Guess what? That hope of returning to heaven should be the thing that keeps us going in our life here on earth. Let us pray. Father, thank you so much for speaking to us. And it is my prayer, Lord, that you help us to, to continue to be uh, heavenly-minded, Lord, uh, that our, our focus will stay on uh, that final destination that you have set for us. Oh, Lord, help us in everything that we do here on earth, that our heavenly mindset, Lord, is going to be the driving force of everything that we do. We praise you and we honor you now. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.